Hey there and welcome to HLN29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Friday evening after the Hawks made their first free agent signing of the offseason, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Free agent number one. Uh, your thoughts on the Hawks signing... Wes Matthews Jr. to ostensibly what is a veteran minimum veteran minimum contract. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's funny because I think, I think I'm not I'm honestly not making fun of Hawks fans. I think any fan base does this, but you know when something like this happens, when there's a potentially a big looming transaction out there, the Siakam trade, everyone's waiting to see if it ever will happen or not. It's like, how does this set them up for that? I don't think this has anything to do with that. But, uh, you know, I think Hawks fans are kind of doing seven-dimensional analysis today to try to figure out how does the West Matthews signing kind of help them line up to to get Siakam. I get it. It's a dead period. There's really nothing else to focus on. And so you know, we're going to kind of hyper, you know, focus on things like that. But, I mean, I said, I mean, I put one tweet out on this today. I just said, to me, this suggests that it's increasingly likely that Hawks, young Hawks players will have key rotation spots. And this it's just better in leadership. You know, he's what, 36 years old now. If you've been watching him the last couple of seasons, he's really needed to rely on uh, being put on the court when he can switch. He's not the same guy kind of chasing over screens and all, you know, he just, you know, he's just older than he was a few years ago. Um, I don't want to say he can't ever do that, depending upon, you know, who the player is he might be matched up with. But I'm just noting that if you've watched in the last few seasons, there's been a lot of switching. Um, and, and you know, from that vantage point, like, I can kind of visualize a second unit with him and maybe Bay out there as the forwards, you know, and, and they're, swi- they're switching, you know. Uh, so, um you know, I don't think it's a profound thing. I think it's nice to have veteran presence. You know, Wes Matthews has been around, done a lot of things, been on a lot of good teams. You know, and that that experience helps. So I think it's a I think it's a nice addition. Um, someone someone's gonna have to go. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think this is gonna be a contract that 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 doesn't guarantee until Jan 10. I'm gonna guess this is for the whole season. Uh, but I mean, like. What the Solomon Hill deal, you know, was kind of the famous one that was, you know, a Jan 10 kind of kind of guarantee. But I just think it's a nice veteran addition. It's a nice leadership, a guy that Quinn can trust in maybe special situations. End of the game, three seconds left, other team is inbounding, you know, uh, you know, three, you know, down a point or whatever. He's a guy like if you're going to switch everything, you throw him out there and he's not going to mess up, you know. And so it might be, I don't know that he's going to play a ton of minutes, but I think you, I think in situations where you need kind of really, really specific execution, it might be, might be an option. That's just, that's what I envision, not much more than that. Yeah. I, my under, my underselling him? No, I don't think so. Um, okay. But at the same time, I, I would say that it's a no-brainer. Like, if you get the chance to bring him in on a veteran minimum contract, you do it. I think there are a lot of teams that would want him. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure how he picked Atlanta. 
it doesn't seem like the Hawks have been able to get a lot of guys in that role over the past, what, decade? Like, how many times have they gotten, like, the super quality veteran on a veteran minimum contract? Uh, I mean, Solo is really the only one I can think of. And I mean, he I was, was going to say, like, he, he was traded for and he got brought back on, like, a veteran minimum. And then Snell was a trade. Um, what was Vince? But, Vince is different because he was much older, but. Yeah. And Vince was transitioning to a media career. Me and Atlanta was perfect for that. Right. Um, yeah. Not a lot. Not a lot of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, a really good deal to bring him in. I think, you know, someone like AJ Griffin can learn a lot. They have yeah. a lot in common, both sort of sons of NBA players. Uh, they're going to play a lot of the same position. You know, that that's a guy that can kind of guide AJ through what he needs to know on defense in a lot of ways. That I think that this is a really good pickup. I, I'm curious to see, you know, what he can do, how healthy he can be. For the last couple of seasons, three, four seasons, he's been around the 50-game range. He dealt with a lot of calf injuries late in the season. When the playoffs rolled around, he was just coming back from a calf injury. He played one game, and like in the final minute of that game, you could see him reaching down to the calf again, and then he missed a few more games of that Bucks series with Miami. So, you know, really I think a lot of the value or lack of value in the deal is just going to come down to how healthy he is. But you take that chance, like you, you know, he's yeah. he's he's not going to give you much on offense. I mean, he's just a three point shooter and a guy who's smart, a guy who knows where he's supposed to be to space the floor and what he can do to screen and help other guys space the floor. But you know, he he'll give you a lot of three point volume. But you know, his real value is going to be defensively. Like he's a guy who can guard the the big strong guards or or former guards, guys, guys who maybe were guards at one point in their career who kind of just kind of beat up on other guards and really now they're forwards. Guys like Jimmy Butler and DeMar DeRozan, like those those are the kind of guys where you know you could put Wes Matthews on, on them and 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 feel reasonably good about it especially given that he's 36 years old and on a minimum contract so you know i don't think he'll be in the rotation uh you don't really want him to be in the rotation because i think you get the best value if he's healthy come playoff time um but but you you trust him to hold up on defense in the playoffs yeah and and, you know the really potentially kind of sneaky value is you're in the playoffs. He's not in the rotation when you cut to nine or whatever number you cut to. And it depends somebody gets into foul trouble or somebody, a young guy is really struggling with, you know, defensive assignment or execution. He's a guy you can throw on the court for five minutes while the coaching staff coaches up the young guy on the bench, you know, and, you know, and he's just kind of, uh, you know, just add water, you know, veteran kind of guy throw him out there if you need to buy some time. Uh, and things like that. And he's going to do the basics. He's going to do the team stuff. He's going to, you know, he's going to do all of the fundamentals and things like that. And to your point, like a lot of the premier scores right now, like the league has kind of swung in an interesting direction. Like Luca's amazing. Not his first step is not what he lives, you know, 
lives on. Tatum first step is not what he lives on. You know, you can kind of go around the league. Even Shea, it's not the first, like not, not the first. You know, so these guys that are kind of up and coming scores are maybe guys that you could take a 36 year old Matthews and, and and not have to switch, you know, depending upon kind of that matchup, you know, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so uh, I think, I think your, I think your point is, is spot on that, you know, a, a coach wants one or two guys like that. They can just turn to at a pinch. Like if you had to go to a guy in a two-way contract or a, a rookie that hasn't played in, you know, any real minutes in two and a half months, you're in the playoffs, you're dead, you know, and having a guy like that you can turn to uh, is, is going to make a big difference to just kind of hold the line, you know, until you kind of sort out whatever, whatever issues he might be working through. So a really, really nice. Ad. I, I went back to video to try to see, okay, you know, what, what does he look like in a playoff setting? Cause it's a whole different game in the playoffs compared to the regular season. You wonder, you know, what does it look like? Can he, can he tread water? Is, you know, did he still have it physically? And so I went to that. There weren't a whole lot to pick from because he was hurt and because the bucks exited quickly. I, I watched game one of heat bucks all over again. And, you know, Pretty much every moment he was, Wes Matthews was on the floor, except for like the last 90 seconds, he was guarding Butler. Like that was his job. Like, uh, like you said, you know, there's going to be a lot of, he was on the floor a lot with, with Portis and a lot of lineups that were sort of the switchy lineups. Um, and some of those switches didn't go great. But when, you know, he was in isolation on Butler, I thought he did really well moving his feet, staying with him being physical at the point of attack like he he was terrific like you you wouldn't have known that he was 36 other than the fact that he didn't play the next three games um but like physically in that game and just play style wise he completely held up i mean the bucks had a lot of guys that they could have put on butler in that game like uh, and i'm i'm stretching a little bit here but like you know, they they could have tried Jay Crowder or they could have tried Giannis before he got hurt. Or they could have tried Middleton uh, or they could have tried Drew. And pretty much, like I said, every second that, that Matthews was on the floor, they're like, yeah, you, you're you're guarding Butler. And, you know, I, I thought he did a reasonably good job. You watch on offense and it's kind of what you expect. Like that he could kind of try to hide Tyler Hero on him and say, okay, you know, we, we don't feel bad about having Tyler Hero on the floor when Wes Matthews is out there because you pretty much got to do one thing, which is, you know, be a team defender and then be ready to close out. Um, and, and, you know, Hero could hold up with that that end of the bargain. Uh, but defensively, I, I was super impressed with what he could do. Yeah. And, and you know, to kind of think about other kind of adjacent benefit, like, you know, Hunter was hit, you know, assuming he's still on the roster when it all gets settled out, right? Um, three games and five nights back to back, you know, with, with Hunter's kind of soft tissue stuff, as you know. And and we've talked about the fact that big wings that have guarded guards, it's, it's really hard on their body. Yeah, that, that that's just a lot of size to kind of get through screen navigation, lateral movement, all that stuff. And maybe uh, maybe Drake can play you know twenty five minutes on the second night back to back instead of thirty five. 
uh, you know, and, and, and Matthews can can actually be in the rotation strategically when the schedule crunch is there and things like that. That that's that's not really a guy they had that could kind of step in and, and take some of that defensive workload in those situations before they sign him. You know, I think I think we're all hopeful that Jalen can kind of do well, but you know, same thing with Jalen is like I don't want to see him as a big, you know defender like doing a lot of lateral you know movement and guarding point you know a lot you know and things like that so i think it's it's just a a, a nice veteran to offload some work to, to to kind of be kind to your rotation players when there's a schedule crunch or, or whatever that might be um so yeah i, I think I, I think he can really only help uh the flip side the deadline came and went for the Hawks to decide on uh, Tyrese Martin. They waived him today. Any any thoughts on that transaction? No, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really surprise me a lot, just but mostly for, because of the map, not because of what I think of Tyrese, right? I thought Tyrese showed a lot more at Summer League this year than he did last year. I mean, he his catch-and-shoot was a lot better. Um, his It wasn't awesome, but, like, on the catch, he looked like he was trying to, like, make a decision right away on the catch. You know, I don't think that's the most natural thing for him, but you could tell he'd been working on that for sure. And, you know, and so is he going to be in the G league next year? I mean, I would imagine he could play in some international league if that's what he wanted, wanted to do, depending on, you know, he wants to kind of continue trying to, uh, uh, you know, be close to the, an NBA opportunity the g league is a nice you know place to be for that you know you know the contracts internationally are kind of complex about around that so i i just wish them well um but uh you know for where the kind of the hawks are uh and stuff i it, it didn't surprise me a lot but uh, you know i you know I, I said this you know when i saw him in summer league like he's he's a grinder he plays hard he competes has some mix of useful skill it's not the high level that you really need to get a you know a great opportunity. But you know, for a team that's looking to kind of get their, you know, 13th, 14th, 15th kind of, you know, spot a grinder who will just play hard and compete and be ready. It's kind of this is the kind of characteristics you want. So I hope he hope he gets a shot and I'm rooting for him. I enjoyed watching him in summer league. Again, it wasn't perfect, but I, I I enjoyed seeing him try to apply the things that they were clearly asking him to do was on the catch, be ready to make a decision and, and boom. The best part of that was on the catch, getting shot up without, without a dribble. He did a great job with that. When it was the, the ball handling is not quite there to kind of really attack immediately. And, and you know, the passing is, you know, a modest skill for him, but it's one of the things I love about summer league that I know like a lot of other fans don't, it's like watching guys who are on the fringe of the league moving towards the things that you have to do. I, I, watching those guys year over year kind of add those things. Is, uh, to me, that is just one of the most, some of the most fascinating basketball to watch. So, and this, this year he really showed a lot of, of, of progress and, and hope, hope he gets, hope he has a good landing spot. Your thoughts. He's a player who doesn't have any glaring weaknesses, but he also doesn't have any super shining strengths. Um, I think when we were talking about summer league at one point, I thought you put it well. It, it's a little bit, 
it's a little bit like the Jalen Johnson problem of maybe not of now, but of six months ago, nine months, 12 months ago, where it's a tough role to scale up when the the thing that you're best at, the thing that you have the most value for an NBA team is the things that you do with the ball in your hands. And it's different for Jalen than for Tyrese because Jalen can do it with so much athleticism. Tyrese doesn't have that level of athleticism. So he relies a lot on a lot of craft for his finishing around the rim. And it's, that's really the thing that he does best is that he has this very nice uh, knack for good footwork, good craft, getting a shot up, uh, you know, being able to attack, being able to attack with the ball in his hands. And so, you know, it's, it's the opposite of someone like Seth Lundy where, it's really easy to see them scaling up their role and, and filling out what they need to do and and kind of being that complimentary fourth or fifth player. That's not really what he does best. And like you said, he you could see him trying to work up on that in summer league, but that's not his natural fit. And, you know, he he's kind of okay defensively. Again, not super athletic, but you could see him grinding even in the games where he struggled in summer league on offense. You could see him grinding on defense, but uh it you know, if he did go to, you know, when you were talking about his future career or prospects, you know, if he does go to, you know, a European team or something like that, and they do put the ball in his hands, you know, that might be a place where he really thrives. And you look at him and all of a sudden, you know, he's holding up some European championship and you're like, well, how did that work? Well, okay. You know, he, he, he you know, if he's at a level where he can be the man, uh, you know, he might be pretty darn good, but it's it's tough in the NBA. There's the best of the best, and you don't get the ball in your hands uh, unless you're a phenom. And he's not a phenom. Yeah. He's a basketball player. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he might – I could see him being like the second-best player in a really good team in, in Greece or being, you know, part of a good core group in Israel. You know, there are places where what he does works for sure. And it's just a matter of whether he wants to, you know, before he turns 30 in a few in a few years, you know, go and kind of make the make the money that's out to be made, or you know, stay closer to league. So I'm rooting for him. Yep. Uh any other leftover hawks doings from the past week as we head yeah. toward the uh the dark ages of August and early September? I got I got a couple questions for you. That I don't know if you've heard or not. Um, did they ever say anything about Veet's injury in the last summer league game, or they just he left the game and I just didn't know if like there was any anything mentioned at all about that. Yeah, this is completely spitballing. I don't remember. I think it was like an ankle. So it was an I ankle. Mean, yeah. If it, if it's like a sprained ankle, I, I'm. That seems like just a basketball player's injury. If you if you if that happens to you in the last summer league game, that yeah, you you'd be fine for the regular season. If it's a sprained <laughs> ankle, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, I mean, like you can find out there's you know ligaments. So I, I just didn't know if there was any noise around that. Um, and and there's I think they're sitting on 16 now is the number. Um, uh, and I I remind fans that Veets contract doesn't fully guarantee until Jan 10 so they can carry him all the way up to the day they have to get to 15 with zero risk you know okay um, so you're talking about NBA players 16 not counting the two-way players 
Right, right. Okay. So okay. They, have, they have 16, like, full, right. you know, full contracts. V being the only one that doesn't guarantee. I think he's the only one that doesn't guarantee. Jantan Garrison's guaranteed now. Bruno's guaranteed now. Yeah, so that he's the only one with that Jan Jan ten date. Now they could they could sign someone else, you know, another veteran. Uh that that doesn't guarantee Jill till Jan ten, but we'll we'll have to kind of see. So I I think you know the whole fan base is I still get questions every single day. The whole fan base is is the Siakam gonna trade gonna happen? When is the Siakam trade gonna happen? And stuff like that. And I just think we're uh I think we're all along for the ride at this point. I don't think there's any way to kind of try to read into read into that. I don't think the James Harden or Dame Miller, I don't think that's impacting this at all. It's just a matter of the Raptors, I think, figuring out what they really want to do, you know, and then uh, kind of going from there. So, um, yeah. I do, Any I, other I, leftovers? I, I, oh, yeah. I got, I got, oh, yeah. I, you came prepared. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is this is a, me, me putting this spotlight. So, I your uh, you tweeted your hoops grid solution, and you used Landry, and then you tweeted it. So clearly, looking to you know build some favor with uh, with Landry. What are you hoping to get from uh, having Landry on your hoops grid answer and, and tweeting out that for Landry and everyone else to see it? What's the return you get for that? You spent? Uh, I don't know. Like. <laughs> Some of those are really tough. Like it's hard to think of some of the, the the two team combinations where it just seems like there's just no overlap of the Venn diagrams. And I just remember Landry being so impressive in New York and so unimpressive in Toronto, probably due to injury. Yeah. Um, I I actually remember a practice in Toronto, or I'm sorry, a practice where the Raptors uh, practiced in Atlanta and we got to see a lot of like the Raptors scrimmaging and it was a, it was a rough go for Landry. Like I just remember mm-hmm. watching that and going, wow, uh, you know, he's got a ways to go. Like he just, he, he looked out of sorts, out of rhythm. Um, So I, you know, that, that, that left <laughs> not in a great way, a lasting image of uh, a, a player who was both on the Knicks and the Raptors and, and struggled on the Raptors. So, I don't know why that was burned in my memory, but it was. Yeah, it, it's funny how how that works out. I'll I'll, I'll have as I've been doing them. Uh, you know, my, my like eighties, nineties. Like I can remember that. I'm almost like uh, penalized if they pull up a team that's only been around for a little while because I, you know, like those early Memphis teams. Who was on, who was on the early Memphis teams? Like I, you know. I, you know, I, I I went through a period where I didn't really have time. Like my my I was really working on my career, finishing college, and you know, I was a non-traditional student, got my GI Bill, and you know, all that sort of stuff. So there's a there's a gap for me in there that, but, but uh, what a fun little thing for this debt period to to kind of have a hoop script puzzle every day. So that's that's a lot of fun. My brothers and I do the the baseball one, uh, and I don't I can't really follow baseball that much anymore. But you know, we grew up, you know. As I shared before, kind of economically challenged, but the Braves were so bad that we—that was like one thing we could afford to do. <laughs> we cut grass and do whatever, and you know, you could get them for a dollar when I was in, you know, you know, older elementary school and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I can do the baseball ones because I, I, like at that time, the 80s and 90s, or 
mostly 80s, early 90s, maybe. Uh, late 70s, 80s. Uh, so I do better, weirdly, You, I mean, I do better with the baseball than, than the basketball, you know. So, uh, but, but yeah, just a, a fun little thing to do for three or four weeks or whatever this kind of dead period is going to be. So uh, shouts to Hoops Grid putting out something for us to kind of, uh, you know, have a little fun with while we're waiting on the next big thing to happen. I'm with you. Like I had a dead period, my, my dead period. I don't know if you call it career or what I would, I would say it was more just young children at home. So from like mm. 98 to like Oh five, just, just a blur. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I know the, I know the big milestones, but <laughs> yeah, I, I probably watched some playoffs, but yeah. At one point, I was, I'm just, I'm feeling you there. Uh, I was working full-time, going to college full-time and uh, co-parenting with my recently, uh, you know, with my ex, then ex-wife, you know, uh, that I, there was no sports watching in, in, during, that, <laughs> during that period of time for me whatsoever. Uh, so so, so yeah, that's that's my dead period too. And then there was a couple of years I I did a lot of work internationally, and I, you're I'm, you're just not up when the games are on TV. You know, you're at work or you're on an airplane or or whatever. And so, those are my my dead times too. So so I I I can I I can I can work through the baseball one faster. The hoops one is is, is interesting to me because it makes me sit down and go, like I like uh, I used. Um, Mo, uh, Morris Peterson before my answer yesterday, and I was like, "How did I remember Morris Peterson? That was that was during the era I didn't watch, you know." Uh, so, so yeah, it's it's fun if you listeners if you're not doing it and you're like going crazy wanting some sort of basketball content besides our wonderful podcast, besides our middling podcast, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, go check it out. They're not a sponsor, but just. <laughs> Your your story about the Braves being the affordable ticket reminded me of uh, the affordable ticket where I grew up, which was like the Pawtucket Red Sox, the yeah. uh, the tri- the Triple A team. Yeah. And, I remember I them because I remember that. I only remember that because during the strike season when I was a kid, Ted Turner put the Richmond Braves on in place of the Atlanta Braves, and we got to see like all those teams. So yeah, yeah. So when when I was young. The the Pawtucket Red Sox played in a thirty three inning game. Oh my with, goodness! Yeah, with with uh, I guess whoever Baltimore's farm team was, because I think the game had Wade Boggs and Cal Ripken. I want to say, mm. but my favorite story of of that game was the Pawtucket had a relief pitcher named Luis Aponte. And he he must I'm pretty sure he went on to a you know at least a fairly decent major league career. But the game was 33 innings. I think Luis was fond of the occasional drink, and so he got <laughs> home at like three thirty four o'clock in the morning. Is not you know he got home at like three thirty four o'clock in the morning, and his wife was like, "Hell no, I'm not letting you in. You've been out all night drinking." <laughs> And she just locked him out of the house, and he never got to come in <laughs> because they played thirty-three innings. Honey, I was at work. I was at work. We were playing baseball. It's yeah, four fifteen. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean you were playing baseball? I don't believe you. 
that's yeah, that's fun. Yeah. All right. All right. To the off season we go, Glenn. To the off season we go. Enjoy the break. Uh, hopefully we'll you know have something to talk about here. And if nothing, I mean, I mean, when next time we get together, maybe we just maybe we talk about what we think is going to happen with Harden and Dame. You know, I think I think that's interesting. So if there if there's no Hawks that and we can connect it to Atlanta somehow. You know, but uh, that might be have, might have to serve as the, the next thing we get unless, you know, a trade happens. So, yeah. Catch your breath, Kevin. You work really, really hard during the season, so I, I want you to put your feet up. Uh, maybe maybe only, like, 14 pickup games instead of, like, 27 or whatever you play every day. Let somebody else hold court, you know, get get a break. Uh, you deserve it. And, uh, and, yeah, we'll talk again soon. All right. Good night, Bob. Good night, Bob.